Welcome to episode 19 of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I'm your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Well, last week in episode 18, we continued our discussion uh, in Grinch-like fashion, one step at a time, from, uh, you can laugh, (laughs) (laughs) unless of course you're telling me it wasn't funny, from my little booklet, An Apologetic for Liberty. In particular, we explored the Christian foundations for liberty, giving evidence from the scriptures that the Word of God is not merely one of many divergent paths to liberty. It is the necessary precondition to the intelligibility of liberty. Beginning with passages from Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, and going on to verses from 1 Corinthians and Galatians, we demonstrated the centrality of this freedom message in the Word of God proving how all temporal aims to coerce people or to deprive them of their freedom are but visible manifestations of the invisible work of the devil to enslave us to sin. If you missed any of that discussion or would like to refresh your perspective in order to enhance your enjoyment and understanding of this episode, you might find it beneficial for context to listen to episodes 16, 17, or 18. Well, today we continue the argument by citing a passage from Galatians beginning at chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul explains that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. This passage, of course, echoes what we cited last week from Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, where he advised the believers that if they could gain their freedom, they should do so, because we were bought at a price and must not become slaves of men. Taken together with the other passages we reference from both the Old and New Testaments, and we only chose a few examples, by the way, if you search the scriptures, you'll soon learn that this freedom message runs consistently through the entire counsel of God, making it plain that freedom is a uniquely Christian calling. It must be pursued and defended with vigor, not merely as an expression of love for our neighbor, which it is, but as a living testament to a watching world of our freedom in Christ from the bondage of sin. On the other hand, refusing to uphold the cause of liberty would be like hiding one's light under a bushel. It is a denial of the created order, a dismissal of our call to be ambassadors for Christ, and it is disobedient to the second greatest commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves. When we get back from our break, some of our old friends are going to join me to chat about whether the church today is upholding this freedom message. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. 
The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. And I must say that Penelope likes that word, squidget. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I'm your host. With me today, as always, are three icebergs, not snowflakes. Beginning at my left and moving to the right, we have... Penelope, Winnie, and Roger. All right, Penelope, Winnie, and Roger, thank you. And let's get right to it. Actually, before we get to it, I notice that we've got some snacks in the studio today that kind of... I choked on a little bit beforehand. What do we got, folks? What is that? Dots, homestyle snacks, baked cheese curls. This would be an advertisement. Hey, if we, yeah. if we had a bigger platform <laughs> and, and reach bigger <laughs> audience, yeah. <laughs> sponsored by this. They taste like stale Cheetos, though. I don't know yeah, if we want to sponsor them. This, this segment sponsored well, we're not by sponsoring them. Okay. And what them else? I think you're just eating spon- regular assortment of what? Uh, white cheddar Cheetos. Cheez-Its. <laughs> Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its are food that you eat before you're going to cheat on a test. Cheez-Its, not Cheez-Its. Winnie, what do you have? What were you eating? Oh, I had some pretzels. Oh, boring pretzels. Boring. What? No. No, no, not they're boring. actually very buttery. She had ruffles, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. All yeah, right, we're going to get right to it. So now we are entering the... Offices of Hypothesis. Our hypothesis today is... The modern church in America and throughout the world, has lost its love of liberty. The modern church in America and throughout the world has lost its love of liberty. True or false with a clock? True. 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 Agree. Why do you think this is the case? Well, I mean, look around at the way everyone's responding to this pandemic, you know. They're looking to the government, to vaccines, to masks— And they're not even, like, looking to the Word of God to find what, like, safety. So, Winnie, you brought up a good point. They're not looking to the Word of God. I think there's a preliminary question that I can ask to help elaborate and and to facilitate this discussion, and that is, so you've said the church has lost its love of liberty. What is the fundamental reason, before we get into the specific manifestations of that, right, examples— what is the fundamental reason that the church has lost, in your opinion? Why has it lost its love of liberty? I think we need the clock for this one. <laughs> um. <clears throat> what doesn't the church—in order to—we we talked about this before we came in the studio. A fundamental question that must be asked before you do anything is what? If someone says— Go fight for your rights or go clean up your room or brush your teeth. In order for someone to do this on his own and not have to constantly be told to do it, you want to know what? Why we're doing it. Why you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you fight? Why do you brush your teeth? Why do you eat healthy? Why do you sleep regularly, right? Why Mm -hmm. do you study before a test instead of waiting to the last minute, procrastinating? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now tie this back to... The church. The church has lost its love of liberty. We would agree that there's plenty of evidence of that today. Why has it lost its love of liberty? Because it doesn't know where its liberty comes from. It doesn't know where it comes from. It, it's lost its understanding, in other words. 
mm-hmm. right? Would that mm-hmm. be accurate to say it's lost its understanding? Okay, which begs another question. Why has the church lost its understanding of liberty? Because it has ceased to make the Bible its starting point. Starting point. All right. Let's talk about starting point a little bit deeper. If I am planning a trip to Florida for spring break and I have a car decked out with leather and air conditioning and it's big enough for all of us and our families, let's say it's just maybe it's a motorhome. <laughs> got good good tunes lined up on Spotify, got good food and snacks. Like right? we have in the studio today. Have our <laughs> bathing suits and towels and sunglasses, suntan lotion, all of that. And uh, and maybe we have a couple jet skis on the trailer behind the motorhome. Fun. Dang. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fully maybe loaded. a boogie board. Well, we live in Tennessee, and so Florida is south, right? Yes. Correct. <laughs> a little um, slow on. Yes. <laughs> okay. So if I have all of these things and I point my motor home north on I-65, what's my problem? Or is there a problem? You're going the wrong direction. I'm going the wrong direction. Why is that? What are the ramifications of that, Penelope? What is going to happen by virtue of the fact that I'm faced the wrong direction? You're not going to get to Florida. I'm not going to get to Florida. Unless you go around the whole planet, of course. Which you can't do with a motor home. Not not if there's water in your way. Yeah. So what does this say about, Roger said something about starting point, not starting with the scripture. It doesn't matter how, how cool of a vehicle I have. It doesn't matter all of the accoutrements of, of fun that I have in the vehicle as far as food and air conditioning and, and maybe I've got a good map. But if my starting point has me facing the wrong direction, all of those other things are irrelevant, aren't they? Yeah. They're not going to help me get there. In other words, my orientation is wrong. Mm -hmm. So now tie that back to the church. When we say the church has lost its love of liberty because it has lost its understanding of liberty, when we talk about the starting point, it it misunderstands liberty because it started at the wrong place. What should the starting point be and what has the starting point become? Winnie. Um. (laughs) What should the... church's starting point be? Well, it should be the Bible. The Word of God. Any any particular scriptures come to mind? Proverbs 1, 7. Ring any bells? Yeah. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Right. The beginning, not the end, not the middle. Right? How about 1 Peter 3, 15? But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And remember, the heart, it's not just a physical muscle. It's not just the emotional reservoir, right? When Scripture talks about the heart, it means the essence of our being, the the point from which all of our decisions and assessments are made. So when when God says, revere Christ as Lord of your heart, it means Lord of everything, right? Not just heart, is to distinguish it from our minds. So instead of beginning with the Scriptures, the modern church has, has it not, accepted the world's starting point, which would be what, by the way? Give me some examples of what the world's starting point is as far as platforms and places where you get your information and your starting point. Like the government or government's tech and one. Stuff. What else? Social media. Social media. Mm-hmm. Just uh, mainstream media. Yeah, news, right? Businesses, television, Hollywood. How about peer pressure? Mm-hmm. Right? Any one of those can be a starting point. And that's how the world, or that's how the church begins, and that becomes its framework for its priorities. 
And when you begin at the wrong point, you're never going to end at the right place. Just like our example with the motor home, no matter what you have, if you're faced in the wrong direction, start heading north, you're never going to get to Florida from Tennessee. In fact, when your premise is faulty, your conclusion isn't merely going to be incorrect. It will be irrelevant to the truth. And let me give you an example of that. If your premise, for example, is that a big drug company has developed a quote-unquote vaccine to eradicate a common or even uncommon cold, then when that cold virus returns again and again and again to sicken those who have taken endless shots and boosters, you might finally, albeit sometimes reluctantly, conclude that you've encountered total vaccine failure. But is this really what has transpired? No, because... That's assuming that from the beginning that the vaccine is a vaccine. Yeah, it's, it's assuming that what you've put into your body is a vaccine. But if you understand that pharmaceutical giants have injected hundreds of millions of people all around the world, without their informed consent, by the way, with a dangerous experimental gene therapy, you're not going to be surprised by what the reluctant fools may finally admit is total vaccine failure, because in fact... The experimental mRNA gene therapy was never a vaccine in the first place, right? Sticking yourself with experimental synthetic spike proteins and expecting them to eradicate a cold virus would be kind of like filling your car's fuel tank with beer and wondering why it wouldn't start. <laughs> this, by the way, you can laugh. Right? <laughs> no, I'm just picturing a car cracking up a cold one. This illustrates, by the way, the foolishness of accepting another's words at face value. So I'm going to ask you a question about that. If a snake crawls into your room at night... And Snakes can't crawl. They don't have legs. If a snake wiggles into your room at night <laughs> and declares itself to be your protector or your advocate, would you simply roll over and go back to sleep? Well, I'd first wonder why the snake is talking at me. Yeah, I might think I was dreaming. Uh, that actually gets a goal horn. It's a good, that's a good point. Why is the snake talking to me? <laughs> Perhaps that's my first goal horn. <laughs> really? All this time, Penelope All got season? her first. This is your first goal horn. Oh, wow. yeah, no. Okay, you might have gotten some assists <laughs> after determining, or after settling yourself with. Okay, there might be a problem because the snake is talking to me, or at least I should pay attention. Would you then roll over and go back to sleep? No. The snake says, "Don't worry, I'm here to protect you tonight." Yeah. I would not be. I would grab a word. machete. Grab a machete. <laughs> yep. Okay. So if you would not, this, this is a, an important question then. If you would not enthusiastically endorse the words of a serpent at face value, why then do people agree to play the role of lab rat by injecting their bodies with a dangerous and, by the way, still not FDA approved messenger RNA experiment sold by a big pharmaceutical company that makes trillions of dollars from government-coerced prescription of this synthetic spike protein simply because the big pharmaceutical company calls its experimental magic potion a vaccine. When we return, we will attempt to answer a few more questions about today's topic. This is Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional, Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? 
Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. If you would like to call into the program to participate with us on a future episode, like some of our icebergs have done, so you don't have to be an iceberg, at least um, an iceberg who's been in the studio, in order to call in. All you have to do is email your request to questions at icebergsnotsnowflakes.com, and uh, that will go to our producer, Rachel, who will put you on the list, and uh, hopefully you can call in. So, question for the week. Before um, we end the episode, I want to close the circle with this question to my icebergs. Would you agree that the church today has replaced its calling to love its neighbor with something else? And if so, what? And I'll say it again because this is kind of like a second hypothesis. Would you agree that the church today has replaced its calling to love its neighbor with something else? And if so, what? I was going to say a lot of churches have replaced the calling to love their neighbor with the calling to, with, with their calling to um, comply with government standards. Yeah, or just be like the world in general. Good answers, Penelope. Yeah, like, oh, love your neighbor by wearing a mask and protecting them. Exactly. Right, which which assumes a premise, right? Mm-hmm. It assumes something about that mask, that it's doing something. It assumes something about the underlying problem that they've told us is worthy of the mask, right? <clears throat> so there's a lot of unargued presumptions in that. Um, I would also argue that the church today has replaced its calling to love its neighbor with a, uh, I would say it's also dangerous, authoritarian impulse to tell its neighbors what to do and how to think. Now, the modern church justifies this new mission, of course, under the illusion that it's keeping its neighbors safe. Aside from the rather audacious assumption that we are even capable of preserving that which we didn't create or avoiding invisible little things about which we have proven to know very little, I defy anyone to provide evidence from Scripture that our calling is to keep people safe. Case in point, did Jesus say, if you know the truth, the truth will keep you safe? No. What did he say? Know the truth and the truth will what? Set you You free. Free. The truth is an affront to the world, it's a threat to man's autonomy, and a rebuke to unlawful power. If the gospel message were safe, why would Jesus promise us persecution? The best way to love your neighbor, by the way, is to tell him the truth, an activity that has always been fraught with danger, perhaps as much so today as ever, since telling the truth to your neighbor can get you canceled, banned, fined, sued, stalked, cause loss of friendships, loss of jobs restrictions on movement, loss of access to credit and capital, jail time, and for some, even death. When examined in the light of the gospel, it should be quite clear that all efforts to get us to pipe down our talk of liberty or attempts to muzzle our cries for freedom under specious claims of concern for our neighbor are, in fact, brazen aims by the enemy to silence the gospel message. The cause of liberty rightly understood is a temporal expression of the eternal reality that Christ has freed us from the bondage of sin. And in a world dedicated to undermining God's created order, our proclamation of that freedom message is very dangerous business. This, by the way, is why this message is difficult for politicians who frequently choose safety and self-preservation over truth. This kind of freedom message is for the overcomers, 
the ones who, as it says in Revelation chapter 12, do not love their lives so much as to shrink from death, who have triumphed over their accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. This message then is for men and women of the kind implored by Dorothy Sayers when she wrote, Lady, lady, will you come away with me? Was never man lived longer for the hoarding of his breath? Here be dragons to be slain, here be rich rewards to gain. And if we perish in the seeking, why, how small a thing is death. That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to our icebergs named... Penelope. Winnie. And Roger. And to our producer, Rachel. And to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do unless we believe what is true? My name is Kevin Kukaji, and you have been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. Meteorologists.